Hello and welcome. This is Perspective for Parents. My name is Nick Thompson, and this is a podcast for parents of adolescents. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Recently, I was asked to speak to a group of middle school students on the topic of decision-making. This is an important topic to discuss with young people, and it's one that I think we can approach and deliver in a more helpful way with the youth in our lives. To explain a bit, what parents, schools, and other community health programs tend to do on this topic is to focus on educating our youth about the dangers of making poor decisions to give them statistics that show just how dangerous certain risky activities truly are. But here's the thing. The experts on the developmental stage known as adolescents have figured out that this approach, it's just flat out wrong. Take it from the guy who is seen as one of the experts on adolescence. His name is Dr. Lawrence Steinberg, and he wrote the book titled Age of Opportunity. A quick plug for his book. It is the book I would recommend to anyone really wanting to delve in deep into gaining a better understanding of the adolescent years. A link for his book will be in the show notes. Okay, so Steinberg says this. We spend hundreds of millions of dollars each year trying to increase adolescents' knowledge about various risky activities, improve their decision-making skills, and convince them that they are not indestructible. He goes on to say that, unfortunately, the whole premise on which most health education is based, is just plain wrong. End of quote. And it's just plain wrong because this educational approach is built on a foundation of false beliefs, built on and backed by long-standing myths about adolescence. The main myths being that adolescents are irrational, illogical, and ignorant. That they believe they're invulnerable. That they lack the cognitive ability to make good decisions. And finally, that they underestimate the risks involved with most dangerous activities. And I know, you're probably thinking, sounds about right to me. But get this, none of that is true. And for those of you who aren't buying this, allow me to return to the words of Dr. Steinberg. He states, Adolescents are just as likely as adults to know what's risky and what isn't. No worse than adults at estimating whether doing something risky will lead to a bad consequence, nor does it seem that adolescents are any worse than adults in how they make decisions. Studies of people's intellectual capabilities and their ability to reason logically, they show that by the time young people are 16, teenagers are just as good at these things as are adults. Additionally, research on delusions of invulnerability similarly finds that adults are just as likely as adolescents to endorse these sorts of fables. End of quote. Okay, lots of pulling quotes there, I know. But I wanted to be sure to use the words of a true scientific expert in adolescence because I know how many people, and this includes parents and educators, but I know that there are so many adults who still believe that those things are true, that they're accurate. So I wanted to start with that. Before I talk about what I believe is a more effective way to approach this decision-making conversation with your child. And I'm not even saying it's pointless or a waste of your time to discuss the dangers of certain risky behaviors with your child. Not at all. I just want to share what I see as a more helpful, or at least an additional, way to approach this topic with your child. 
And this different decision-making message is one that I shared with the middle school students last month. So what I did is I, I shared this with them. Before you go and make any big decisions in your life, go through the five S's of sound decision-making. And the five S's are solo, sun, sober, slept, and settled. So I encourage those students, when they're about to make a big, uh, important decision, to ask themselves, am I solo? Is the sun out? Am I sober? Have I slept? And am I settled? And if the answer to any of those S's is a no, a negative, then please delay that decision until you can say each of those five S's are a definitive yes. Now, I am fully aware that most of those students that I talk to won't walk through the five S's of sound decision-making before their next big decision. And I am not naive or arrogant enough to think that all of those students will even remember what the five S's were. But get this, some of the students actually did. I forgot to mention that as a part of my presentation, at the end, I told the students that if they were to see me at their school in the future, and if they came up to me and told me what the five S's are, if they did that, I would give them a gift card. What I didn't realize was how many of those students would come up to me later that same day. Yeah, and, and tell me what the five S's were. Unfortunately, uh, the future I was referring to wasn't later that same day. So I didn't have any gift cards to hand out. However, that did not stop me from enjoying the look on their faces when I would apologize and then hand them a highlighter or pen from my work bag to sort of serve as a uh, replacement reward. It was a really great visit. And I was pleasantly surprised by just how many of those middle school students remembered the five S's. And here's the thing. The, the reason that I came up with the five S's thing, it wasn't just about using alliteration so that they would remember those five words. But instead, the idea was to use the five S's as a framework that could allow for a discussion that educates young people about their developing brains. In my experience, young people are quite interested and learning about their brains. And this tends to be a way more effective and useful approach than just showing them a bunch of stats about the dangers of certain risky behaviors. So by using this 5S framework, I was able to share with them the myths about adolescence, then debunk those myths and inform them that they are capable of making great decisions. Now, important note here. This is a uh, capable with a caveat, because what I also did was I shared with them that while, yes, they can make great decisions, the difference is that they are more susceptible to certain conditions that can negatively impact their ability to make sound decisions. The research shows that adolescents are more likely than adults to make poor or risky decisions when they're tired, under the influence of drugs or alcohol, in the presence of their peers, or experiencing intense emotional arousal. When one or more of those conditions are present during decision-making, psychologists call that hot cognition. I like to remember what that term means by saying, heat makes us hasty and jeopardizes safety. And that we have to first beat the heat before we make a leap. All right, sorry for that. But when those fiery factors are removed, 
Meaning when a young person is rested, sober, and not in a state of high emotional arousal, and also not in the presence of their peers, all of that allows for something called cold cognition. And remembering again that the research shows on average when a young person reaches the age of 16, they can make good, logical, sound, and solid decisions just as well as adults can. So let's look at this topic as an opportunity to change this conversation with our youth. Let's spend less time warning them about the dangers of particular risky behaviors and instead switch into a conversation that educates them on the conditions, the situations, or states that can cause them to make poor decisions. What we can do is we can help them to identify these conditions that cause this thing called hot cognition. And once those have been identified and understood, then the conversation can transition into like a brainstorming session between parent and child on how they can remove some of that heat that makes cognition hot. And once they realize they're overheated, what can they do to get into a cooler state known as cold cognition? Breaking this down even more, I see there being three parts to this decision-making discussion. Part one, educate your child on the conditions that contribute to poor decision-making. Part two, educate and ask your child about ways they can or have in the past noticed and identified when they are in a state of high heat, otherwise known as being dysregulated. And some examples on this could be, is their chest tight? Is their heart racing? Is their breathing short and shallow? Do they actually feel physically warm? Is their body tense? Is it tight? Are they tired? Or are they tingling with euphoric joy from head to toe? Any of those and several more could be the body's cue to you or to your child that now is not the time to make any big decisions. So that was part two. And finally, part three, what tools, what skills do they have? Or maybe even what skills do they need to develop so that they can cool things down enough to have rational responses, sound solutions? What can they do to crank up that inner AC unit? so that they can make reasonable resolutions, justified jumps, logical leaps, valid verdicts, and avoid making deficient and dangerous decisions. And I'm not sure if this is needed, but if you'd like an even more concise three-part checklist, here you go. Part one, what are the conditions that cause your engine to overheat? Part two, discuss and develop a personal temperature check. And part three, brainstorm and introduce the tools that cool. To close, there's a quote that goes, don't promise when you're happy, don't reply when you're angry, and don't decide when you're sad. End of quote. I decided to change that quote up a bit. And I don't think it's uh, blasphemous to do this because from what I can gather, the uh, quote is anonymous. So there's that. And with that, Combined with my love of alliteration and rhyme, here's my remodeled reminder that I truly think applies to all of us. It goes like this. Don't overcommit while overjoyed. Don't act or answer when angry. And remember, big decisions go bad when made while feeling sad.
Thank you for listening. If you found this podcast useful, please subscribe, rate, review, and share with a friend. If you would like to find more information about this podcast or my upcoming presentations, please check out my website, perspectiveforparents.com. Spelled out, that's perspective, the number four, parents.com. Thanks again.